Thank you for joining us this month for Bill Purvis Leadership. In this month's lesson, we will learn how going the second mile will not only build your character, but also bless you in unexpected ways. All right, I want to welcome you to BPL this month. I tell you, I'm really excited about what we have to share. Uh, the lesson today is really on the, on the second mile is the one that makes the difference. I want to talk about the second mile stuff. It's called maximizing your success by doing more than the minimum. And, um, you know, if you look at personal growth, there are a lot of stuff in growth like passion, vision, uh, focus. Those are the big things that everybody has to have. If you're going to be a leader, focus is the one thing every great leader has. They know how to focus. The, the other is vision. They pretty well know where they're going. Uh, that's the issue of uh, certainty. You know, you can't help somebody get where they're going if they don't know where they want to be. And then passion, obviously, is you've got to be enthused about it because sometimes you'll find yourself with a vision and with focus, but you can lose the energy. So you've got to really want it. But there's another that I'm not even sure if it's one of those traits. I think it's more of a habit, but it's going the second mile. It's when you, it's when you uh, decide, I want to do more than just what is required or expected. And uh, behind every great success story are people that were second milers. That seems to be the the deal with all of them. They, they didn't just clock out at five o'clock. They didn't just, you know, uh, separate, compartmentalize their life. Sometimes you worried about them because they would get so involved and neck deep that you'd think, are they giving balance to their life? Um, Gary Blair said this, uh, do more than is required. And he said, what is the difference between someone who achieves their goals consistently and those who spend their lives and careers just following? It's the extra mile. And basically it's true. It's the difference between those that both are on the same team, but one of them seems to be really moving and the other not. Napoleon Hill said this, and I thought it was pretty cool. You can start right where you are and apply the habit of going the extra mile by giving more service and better service than you're being paid for. Um, I had a guy a while back that, that actually told me, he said, I'm going to business. He said, what would you recommend since I'm going to business? I don't want to fail. A lot of my friends do. And if you read in, in our state alone, 4,000 new businesses per year, small businesses, begin. And yet about 3,800 per year close up. So the stats are not well that, you know, that, that they're lasting. So this gentleman asked me a while back, he said, what would you recommend if I was going to business? And I said, the number one thing you got to understand, besides having a good product, is customer service. People will go to a bad restaurant that looks bad on the outside for good food. And if you treat them good. And people will buy from people that give them good customer service. Customer service is that thing that it decides when you come in whether or not you want it uh, or not. Now, I have wanted products before and gone to a company or a business, and the attitude of the salespeople turned me off. And I didn't buy what I would have bought if there had been a little bit of good customer service. And then other times I've come out the door with things I didn't need because of the customer service. So it's the issue of the customer service side, and the second mile really goes there. I heard this story that I thought was really cool. There was an elderly lady many years ago that was in Pittsburgh, and, uh, and it was pouring down rain outside, and she rushed into one of these department stores, and she was just walking around, and they realized she's not buying. She's just looking. So all the salespeople just kind of stood back and thought, well, we're not going to acknowledge her or, or waste our effort. You can tell she's not here for, for buying. She's just trying to get out of the rain. Well, when she walked by one particular counter, though, there was a young guy that was new. And he didn't profile people. And, and he just, being new on the job, just said, ma'am, may I help you? And she said, 
Uh, no, I'm not buying anything. She said, I'm just trying to get in out of the rain. He said, well, here, let me go get you a chair. And before she could answer, he grabbed her chair. Then he said, let me get you a drink. And he got her a drink. And uh, so he talked to her for a few minutes. And then when the rain stopped, he said, let me help you out. I think the rain stopped now. Where are you parked? And she showed him. So he walked her across the street with an umbrella, put her in a car. And, uh, and before she left, she said, can I have your card? Do you have a card? He said, yes. So he gave her his card. A few weeks later, the owner of the company got a phone call. And it was a phone call from, uh, from uh, I think it was Scotland at the time. And, um, and the, the man on the line said, listen, uh, I, want to, I want to order, I'm restocking a, uh, a huge place. And he said, and I want to order all the furniture that I get from you, which would be hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of furniture. And this was 80 years ago. Uh, and so the, the sales guy or the owner was thrilled. Sure, we'll sell you all that. And, and he said, uh, he said, I want to use so-and-so and name the guy that's name was on the card. And he said, well, he doesn't work in that department. He said, no, no, we're not buying from anybody except him. Now, we want the furniture, but he's got to be the one that sets it up. So the owner had never had a sale that big. He said, sure. And so the owner let her do it. Turns out that the elderly lady was the mother of Andrew Carnegie, one of the richest men in the world. At that time, the steel guy, he's kind of like a Bill Gates of our day. And... Um, and the place that he wanted to furnish was called the Skibo Castle in Scotland. And as a result of that, that young boy went from making so much money and profits, he suddenly became the half owner of the entire department store. And all of that happened because of one thing. He went the second mile. He just decided, I'm not going to just let the lady browse through. And, and I'm just, you know, I'm going to reach out. And if there's anything I can do to accommodate her, whether paid or not, I'm going to do it. And that became the difference. And that's, that's what I mentioned about the second mile Bible story for second mile to me is, is the story of Rebecca. If you've ever read the story of Rebecca, there's, uh, um, what took place was Sarah died. Abraham's wife, Sarah, died. And after Sarah died, Abraham said, I want to find a, to keep my lineage going uh, and, and our namesake going, I, my son needs to be married. Isaac was 37 years old. He wasn't married. He was a beautiful, good-looking, well-off, eligible bachelor. But he wasn't married. So Abraham said, I want Isaac to, to have a wife, but I don't want him to have a wife from the people of my country. I want him to have a wife from, uh, from this country, from the Canaanites. I want him to have a wife from my country. So Abraham sent his servant, said, I want you to go over to this country, take a bunch of jewelry and perfume and all that, and, and find a wife from my son Isaac. And so the, the servant, his name was Eleazar. Eleazar goes over there, and he takes about 10 camels, loaded with all this stuff. And he's got to figure out now, among all these women, how do I pick the right one? So he does something pretty unique. He said, God, I want to know the right one, so I'm going to ask this. If a lady offers me a drink of water, if I'm standing by the well and she offers me a drink of water, um, I will acknowledge that that's probably the one that ought to be the wife. I'm looking for somebody that's got a servant spirit. So if they just come by and ignore me, then we don't want that. But if they come by and acknowledge something uh, that I'm here, then we want that. Well, all of a sudden, he got through praying that prayer and said, God, that'll be the choice. The lady comes by, it's beautiful. Her name's Rebecca. Rebecca comes up, and Rebecca says, Sir, would you like some water? Now, she's got to dip this water pot she's brought from a couple miles away down in the well. It's about a 15-minute process. And he says, Yes. And then she said, Would you like for me to water your camels also? Now, the guy's got 10 camels. One camel will hold about 100 gallons of water. That's a lot of water. 
She's saying, would you like for me to take care of you and all your camels? And he knew then that was God's choice. And so uh, you get, think about that. That was really about two hours out of her day, two hours out of her time that she was going to spend water and all this. Guy. I would be thinking, I'll give you water. That's good for me. You know, I mean, that's more than the first mile. But if I, I'm not watering all your camels, you know, I mean, that, get that to somebody else. It's paid for the job. Yet she watered all of those camels, which took her a long time to do. Can you imagine that over and over? But the whole time he's thinking, lady, you have no idea. What you're doing is it's so impressing me because of your second mile attitude that I'm going to introduce you and make an offer that you'll get the best bachelor in all the world. And you'll live like a queen from this point on. And sure enough, when she got through, he said, may I give you this jewelry? This is from my master. I would like for you to meet him. And you got to imagine, he just had to describe him. We didn't have photographs back then. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't look, him, look him up on Instagram or Facebook. You just had to go by his word. He was a good-looking, well-off guy. But he wound up taking Rebecca back to meet Isaac. And then out of that comes this beautiful love story. It's one of the greatest love stories in all of the Bible and about what they went through and how they handled situations. But all of that began because of one thing. This girl had a second mile spirit. And that second mile attitude is the, it, it, that's the, that's the thing that makes it work. That's what stood out. Let me give you a couple of truths about second miles. Going the second mile usually leads to unexpected doors opening. It, it usually, you, you don't mean to, you don't, it's an ordinary day. You're not planning on it. You didn't say, let me manipulate or, or organize or plan on mingling or, 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 you know, putting all my stuff in the right spot to be known or noticed. All you do is you're just doing a habit of a lifestyle of giving second mile uh, kind of service. And usually it leads to somebody that you impress that you weren't planning on impressing and it opens a door in your life. Going the second mile also builds your own character. Whether, whether they notice it or not, it builds you. you know, there's something about that when you start going the second mile, you feel good about it. I've always said when you get through the project, and I would say this even when Brent was was uh, preparing his messages during the last month, he'd asked me a question. I said, do you feel good about it? And he'd try to tell me, I said, no, no, do you feel good about it? The question is not, do I feel good about it? It's not whether the people feel Do you feel good about it? You can know if you gave 100% or not. You can know if you gave 80% or not. And you can coast through things. But if you can look at it and say, I gave the very best I had. I did all I could in the three magic words and then some. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. There's a satisfaction that I know that I did what was the very best I could give. And that's the part that a second miler does. And the third thing along that line is this. Um, going the second mile, I, I don't believe, is ever overlooked by God. I, I, when, I, when I finish writing a letter to people that have done good things, I sign my letters with two Bible verses. Sometimes I always sign it with this thing, yours because of Calvary, Bill. Sometimes I'll sign it, Daniel, uh, and, and, I, and I'll put the verse of Daniel, Daniel 12, 3, and, and I'll use that. But the one verse that I use a lot for people that I want to thank for doing something, and it's a good verse, I encourage you to use it, is Hebrews 10, uh, 6, 10. And, and here's what it says. For God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love in that you have ministered to others. And it's saying, what you've done, others may not notice, but I want you to know God noticed. And so it's a great verse. Hebrews 6, 10, God's not unrighteous to forget your labor of love, which you have done. And, and you're reminding people that, you know, God saw it. And that's the thing a second miler knows this. At the end of the day, they know God saw it. And I may not get the reward for it today, but I'm getting it later. And I was joking a while ago with the staff about, 
uh, years ago, I, I really could not gain weight. So I would eat this weight on stuff forever. I mean, I would I'd buy it and, I'd, and it was terrible. You mix it in shakes and it was supposed to put like 10 pounds a week on in. And I would eat it and eat it, and eat it, trying to put some weight on because I burned it all off as a teenager. Uh, and then I, I got thinking maybe it had a delayed effect because nowadays it's working. I think the same thing is true, though, in what you do for God. You plant seeds today, and you may not see the result today, but there comes a day that all of a sudden it just starts coming. You say, man, I'm, I, it's like I've suddenly backed into the Fort Knox of heaven. There's blessings, and there's, and there's favor, and there's good things. And everything I touch seems to have favor to it, but it's because of what seeds you planted years ago. So the second mile issue is the thing where you say, I want to develop that. Um, Robert Griffin, when he, when he got to the NFL, said this, I learned in the NFL it's not about the talent once you get to the NFL, because everybody's got that. It's about being willing to go the extra mile to be the best that makes the difference. And he's right. Uh, in fact, remember in Jesus' day, there was, a, there was this way that, that that second mile issue was really, um, it was bitter. When Jesus first taught people to go the second mile, they looked at him like, we're not about to do that. We don't like that. That's beyond what we feel. I remember he said one time over Matthew 5, he said, if, if you're forced to go a mile, go two. And, and in the background of that, what happens? It came out of the, the Persians when, when the Persian Empire was in place. All of their enemies, they made their servants and they made a rule that if, if you're doing a mission for the king and you see somebody of another race, creed, or color, or religion, and if you need help, by law, you have the authority. If you're from Persia, you have the authority to make them drop what they were doing and serve you. If you needed their wagon or their horse or even their body, if you needed their physical strength, you can carry my bags and all that. And so that's what they did. Well, when the Romans took over, the Romans, uh, they even did worse than that. The Romans said, um, we, we will require that of you, and whether we're on the king's mission or not. If we're going somewhere and we just want somebody to take our garbage out, we can look over there and tell a Jew, go take my garbage out. If we see somebody that needs, if we need a field plowed, we can just go tell them to do it because we have that kind of authority. Now the Jews and the Romans had an agreement that they could do that for up to one mile. If, they, if a Roman soldier was going somewhere and he saw a Jew, he could say, I want you to carry my bags for the next mile. And the law required that for one mile, the Jew had to do it. Now the Jew hated it. Can you imagine every step they took I can't stand those Romans, and here's what they're asking me. And, and the more they did it, the more emboldened the Roman soldiers became that we have authority, we're better than, we're bigger than, they have to do what we say. And so that was what they did. Now Jesus came along, though, in the midst and said this. If they require you to go one mile, go two. Now, you, can you imagine how they looked at Jesus like, I'm not going two. I, I'm barely going one. And here's what Jesus was saying. As long as you go one mile, you're giving them power over you. When you go to, you got the power back. They don't get to control you anymore. Once you decide, I'm going to go to, I'm, I'm going to, you know, it, it, at the end of that one mile, can you imagine what happens when the Jewish guy looks up at the soldier and says, would you like me to go another mile? And he's thinking, wait a minute, you're, you're different, you're odd. But what it's doing is it's freeing the one who's saying, you don't get to control me, I get to decide my state. And it's really the issue of changing your state. They always say, you change your life with three things. And and, um, and I think Anthony Robbins teaches it better. But three things you change your life with. You change your life when you change your state, you know, how you perceive things. You change your life when you change your strategy. When what you're doing may not be working, then you change strategy. And you change your life 
when you change your story. Everybody has a story. We all live and die on our story. And our story decides pretty much how we approach life. You know, we can say, well, I've had it bad, and nobody liked me, and da-da-da, and all this stuff. We live in the victim mentality for a little while. That's their story. When people feel overwhelmed, sometimes they go back to their story. They get in pressure and problems, and they feel like they can't handle, so they go back, well, you don't understand where I came from, what's going on, how I've been treated, and they go to their story. If you change your story and say, hey, I came there, but look how far I've gotten. And, and you change your story, you change your strategy, you change your state, you can change your life. And so that's what Jesus was saying. He said, change your state. Don't, don't be overwhelmed by that. Go the second mile. And, and that for him was, was a big deal that when we learn it, it helps us. In fact, uh, there, we live in a one-mile world, okay? I mean, the truth is there are a lot of people that you're going to meet in life that they're going to go one mile. Uh, that, and that's all they're going to go. And they're going to gripe about that, you know. You know, I got I to go to work. Well, you don't got to go to work. You get to go to work, you know. And, and people say, well, work ought to be fun. No, it shouldn't. I mean, it's good if it is. I mean, it's wonderful when those times are. But it's called work for a reason. It's work, okay? And, and fun is fun. And vacation is vacation. I just got back from a vacation. When I left my vacation, I took my phone, threw it in my suitcase, and I didn't answer it for m one month. I mean, every now and then, uh, Debbie would take, and I would say, text Victoria, tell her to tweet stuff and all that, keep that stuff going. So people thought I was going. I didn't get anything. Uh, the reason is what vacation means vacate, okay? And, and if you go somewhere and you take it with you, why, what's the point of going? You wasted a lot of money and time. And so, uh, there, but there are a lot of people when it comes to the, the one-mile effort, it's all about their rights, their responsibilities, you know, it's all, the world for them is eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. You did me wrong, I'll do you wrong. Jesus called on his followers and said, you go the second mile. You, you respond back with grace. You forgive your enemies. You don't give them power over you. You, you learn that if you're demanded of, you do what's expected and, and beyond. The second miler is the one that makes a difference. And here's what it means to go the second mile. It means to rise above your instinct to strike back or to get even or settle the score, you know. Uh, that's what Second Miler does. Um, I, I, in the early days, if I could go back, in the early days of my ministry, sometimes I answered every critic and tried to put out every rumor. And, and in the early days, I look back now and I wasted energy because you're not going to change any of that. The Second Miler just says, I'm not worried about it. I'm leaving that alone. Just don't strike back and, and continue on. It also means swallowing your pride and your self-interest. It's saying, let that go. The other day, I had a, had a guy, tweet, um, nice guy. He's in a correction ministry where he corrects people all the time. Uh, and that's what he does. And that's, you know, it's got, he did, does it good with Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons. And he and I started out together as, uh, at, at the same time. We knew each other. And I appreciate what he's done. He's got a great ministry. But the other day, there was a tweet that, uh, that Victoria had put on my Twitter. And, and it was okay it wasn't bad nobody would read anything to, into it but I, I got this text from him and he said Bill I, uh, this is your friend and then he said but I do hope you understand that that quote is from and it was a guy that's a heretic and, all this. and so he was and he says and I, I, I'm called to rebuke no matter what or something like that so he was rebuking I guess and I looked at it and thought that's gonna, not going to ruin my day so I texted Victoria and I said text him back and tell him, thanks, friend, uh, I'll pull it down, appreciate you, and send it back. And Victoria said, well, why'd you do that? Yeah, I mean, I, that's not, you know, that, I, you normally would. And I said, I know, I, sometimes I can, and I probably could defend it. 
But I didn't want to waste my time and my day and what's the point. And if it makes him feel better, it makes me feel better, we're good. So you don't have to pick up everything. I felt like, for me, that was going second mile. And he, if his heart was right, that I corrected him, and he says, wow, thank you, and all that, that leaves him saying, wow, he, he's teachable. If his heart's not, he gets mad and says, shoot, <laughs> we didn't get to get in a sparring match. The, the, you don't have to fight every battle. You don't have to pick up every cause. You don't have to waste energy on things that won't be productive. And so the second mile, a lot of times, is letting some things go over, letting some things blow past, not making mountains out of molehills. The second mile is saying, I'm dealing with issues with grace no matter what. And that's what it, that's what it means. It's, it's, uh, it's saying, I'm going to live by grace in the, in the face of what's unfair. Now, here's why we go the second mile. You remember how that Jesus said one time about when you're, when you're forgiving people or treating them nice when they're treating you bad, it's like putting cups of cold water on, uh, on them. Um, he, he wasn't, he was meaning it helps you and it helps to put it out. Um, you're not going the second mile to shame somebody else. You're not going the second mile to make them feel bad. You go the second mile because that's what God did for us. I mean, if God ever did anything for us, he went the second mile. You know, he, you, so you're acting more like God because he did that for us. And you're saying, how do I reflect him? Uh, there, you know, there's some people who will only go one mile in life. There's some people who won't even go the first mile in life. But the people that go the second mile succeed every time. Um, it's the difference between average and great. It's the difference between good and, and much better. And, and in music, athletics, um, and business, it's that second miler that somehow gets the fruit. And when people say, well, how'd they get lucky? It wasn't luck. They were working when nobody else was. They were doing a little bit more than others were doing. Now, here's the deal. Once you make going the second mile a habit, once you do it a little bit more than just doing it, but you do it as a habit, what happens is, is that you'll never be satisfied going back to the first again. Okay? It, you, won't, you won't like to be a first miler after you've done second mile stuff for a while. You, you'll, you'll say, I've been so used to pushing myself, I just, can't, you know, I just can't let myself down. And so your standard is the standard you're judging yourself by. Another thing along that line is this. You will attract people into your life that are second milers. It's funny how they know people. People that, that produce can spot other people that produce. And they will, they will connect with them. Uh, if, if you sit down with a lot of my friends, whatever business they're in, they're so passionate about it. And their businesses are different. But they are so passionate about their business that you can think, man, to them there's no other world except their business. And, whichever, and they can be as opposite as can be, but once they start telling you, this is what I do, they're in it, neck deep in it, and they think you ought to feel the same way. And I think the reason that I've found people like that is because the longer you go the second mile, the more you'll meet people like that. And also, people that go the second mile have a low tolerance and a hard time with people that are first milers. I mean, those of you that are second milers, you know what happens when you see somebody just lazy and won't produce and won't make it, you just get... You know, that just makes your blood boil. You say, come on, pull your weight. You know, we're, we're doing the job and having to pull you. And so there's a lot of good benefits to being the second miler. My hope is that you'll decide, you know, I'm going to make that happen in my life, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that as well as I can. Um, here's, a, here's a quote that I love. I'll, I'll put this in there. George Foreman, uh, who was a great boxer, but made a fortune with that grill, okay? That's where he made all his money was the grill. Uh, George Foreman made a statement that I thought was pretty cool. I liked it. It spoke to me. 
Here's what he says. He says, heroes have a rough time because they stand up when they ought not to. They speak up when they ought not to. They just always feel they have to go the extra mile. And, and that's true. They bring, they bring the heat sometimes on themselves, and sometimes they make the atmosphere a little more intense, but it's because of who they are, and they've got to go the second mile. And if there's any staff, and by the way, some of you that are here, uh, that's, that's what I love about you guys. I love being with people that, that make it happen and that, and that really do not just what is required or asked, but beyond. And that's why I don't think any of you, I don't think any of you go home and say, you know, man, I'm just so bored today, nothing to do, and, you know, I'm not tired at all, I got all this energy. I think, I think most of the time when you see people, there, our staff, it's like, okay, we got it done, we, we won, and then there's a time of let us breathe a minute, but it's because you're second milers. And the reason we see people saved and baptized and lives changed, all the things going on around here, is because we're attracting more and more second milers because they're being like you. So I thank you, staff. Those of you leaders listening, my prayer and hope for you is that you'll decide if others are going the first mile, I want to go the second. You do a little bit more than other people, and you'll be surprised one day how it adds up. And you'll look back one day and say, I didn't know how. God leapfrogged you past all your peers. And they may have been smarter, better looking, better connected, better talented. And they're going to wonder, how'd you get there? And you got there because you just kept going when others didn't. And there's a big benefit in that. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the privilege we have of being able to utilize our gifts and energy with a direction that can make a real difference. I pray for every one of us, Lord, help us to decide as we apply every project in our life or achieve any goal, that, um, that when we do it, that we'll ask, am I willing to go the second mile with this? Help us, Lord, to be second milers as a lifestyle. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson. This month's lesson is a great reminder that once you make a habit of going the second mile, you will never be satisfied with going just the first mile again. Have a great month.